we're in the book of Ephesians. We're talking about the armor of God. And as you know, last week I had the whole thing out here and, and I knocked it over. And so I just thought maybe we'll just bring the breastplate out today since that's what we're talking about. It's probably safer, uh, at least up here anyway. And, and hopefully I won't knock that over. Um, let's look at Ephesians 6, down at verse 13 and, and following. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So last week we talked about the belt of truth. So he says, put on the full armor. That's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness that we'll be dealing with today, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. We talked about the two areas dealing with truth, the belt of truth, the two areas that the enemy strikes us the hardest at, especially in this day and age, is in the area of identity, who we are, and our sexuality. A lot of people are struggling with this. It's all over the, you know, the whole um, Supreme Court thing that was leaked and everything that's going on in our culture. Uh, if you weren't here last week, go back and take a look at the archives and take a look at that teaching. But basically, uh, we talked about You know, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's not my truth or your truth. It's the truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ and his word. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today, we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. And and I'll be honest with you, after about 40 years of pastoring and, and 29 years as a lead guy teaching just about every week, multiple times, Sometimes you get to a point where you kind of go, I, I've done this, I've read this, I've taught about, heard it taught, but, you know, and you get kind of in this doldrum where you wonder, is, can I make it new? Well, I'm going to try today because I found something studying over the last couple of weeks that I'd never thought about before. Uh, taught about the breastplate of righteousness and how righteousness, you know, the doctrinal side of that and all the pieces of it, but there's more to this breastplate of righteousness than just the doctrinal stance. Well, let's look at it anyway. Uh, Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The definition of righteousness is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. The biblical definition is this, acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, it encompasses morality, justice, and decency. So let's deal with the doctrinal piece to begin with. Doctrinally, um, it is true that any righteousness that we have is given as a free gift of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.21, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, verse 22, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That righteousness is given. Romans 4.13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.21, one of my favorite passages says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Truth and righteousness as a doctrinal truth, as a doctrinal reality or justification by faith, they're both biblical realities. 
But in the case of the, of the, the breastplate of righteousness, he's not making reference to the doctrinal side of righteousness or the justification of faith. He's talking about something different than that. That is, that is given to us at salvation. You have been made righteous when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Not arguing that. That is a fact. That is a biblical reality. But there's another piece to righteousness that we don't talk about very much. And that's what the breastplate symbolizes or is it, that it's referring to here. It is actually referencing ethical qualities of our life. Success in spiritual form. And here's the, here's the new piece. This is the new wrinkle that I never really connected before. Maybe it's just because I'm dense and I just didn't connect it. Maybe you already connected it and, and so this will be old hat to you and be something you've already heard before. But for me, this is the new piece. I never considered success in spiritual warfare being centered in character and integrity. Okay, we hear, oh, you got to pray, you got to do this, you got to rebuke the devil in Jesus' name, you got to do all these kind of things. And we go through the motions of putting on the armor and all this kind of stuff. And, and we talk about we're the righteous of God and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, one of the dangers in spiritual warfare is if our character and our integrity do not meet the standard, then we're going to be less than effective as a warrior when it comes to the forces of darkness. This could explain why a lot of people live less than victorious lives because maybe there's some issues with character. Maybe there's some issues of integrity there. The breastplate of righteousness refers to uprightness in character and in conduct. And Paul is simply saying in Ephesians that the basic equipment in the spiritual battle is integrity, it's character, and the righteous living or the conduct that we have. Look at Ephesians 4, 24. If you're in U version, it's there. I want to say a big shout out to Denise Martin. She did not get the notes until late last night. It's been, you ever had one of those weeks? Anybody ever had one of those weeks that you just go, I started Monday. I, started, I worked about four hours on this Monday afternoon. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm 80% finished with the sermon for Sunday. I didn't get to look at it again until last night. And I hate that. I hate that. But Denise, thank God, she got it in the version for you so you can see the notes and follow along. Ephesians 4, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Ephesians 5, for once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then Ephesians 6, 14, which is what we're talking about. Notice it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. This is the breastplate. It's on one of these rack things. But this one is not in place in someone's life. You know about it. You've heard about it. You're hearing about it this morning. When you leave here today, you will, you will have a thorough education on the breastplate of righteousness. What you do with that from this morning is entirely up to you. What will you do with this teaching today? How are you going to put on the breastplate of righteousness and keep it in place? I know a lot of people, they say, I get up every morning and I, and I go through the, the symbolic motions of putting on all of the armor every day. Great. Wonderful. I'm glad you do. Does your character and your conduct and your integrity 
match what this stands for. If not, then you've got a whole area of your armor that may be on, but is ineffective because of your lifestyle, because of your attitude, because of your actual character and the integrity or lack thereof in your life. I thought that thing was about to fall. It's a little top heavy. In spiritual warfare, we must be girded about. We must have the belt of truth in speech and behavior, but we also have to be protected by moral righteousness and integrity. Look at Proverbs 11.3. Wonderful passage. Look what it says. The integrity of their upright guides them, but the unfaithful, or the least, less than integrous, are destroyed by their duplicity. Duplicity will expose an individual to the schemes, the devices, and the attacks of the enemy. Duplicity simply means this, deceitfulness, double dealing, contradictory, doubleness of thought, doubleness of speech, doubleness of action. Basically, duplicity means a lack of integrity. In in other words, the walk doesn't match the talk. How often do we, we, we hear lessons and we may read the Bible and we have this idea But yet, when we walk it out, we come to church and we do, woo, hallelujah, and all this kind of stuff, but then we're dog-cussing somebody on the way to lunch. Okay? That's that's duplicity in action. That's duplicity in action. Where you, you say one thing, but you live something else. Well, I'm a Christian. But... There's issues with pornography. There's issues with adultery. There's issues with lust. There's issues with anger. There's issues with discord. There's issues with all these kinds of stuff. That's duplicity. That is a lack of integrity. And that is not what a follower of Jesus Christ is supposed to be living and how we're supposed to be living. It's a problem. Or maybe you, you check all the boxes until, until we get close to April 15th. And you're trying to manipulate TurboTax <laughs> to find a way, you know, I'm just saying. Or maybe you, you talk a good game. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, say what you mean and mean what you say. You see, we, we have to begin to live as followers of Jesus Christ and not just lip service. Notice what the breastplate, we talked about the belt last week, what it covers, the area that it covers. The breastplate, it covers the heart area, the the chest. It's the breastplate of righteousness. Why? Why does the breastplate cover the area of the heart? You say, well, we don't want to get an arrow or a spear through our heart. Okay, great. Let's talk about spiritually speaking. Why do we need righteousness? Why do we need character and integrity in the area of of our heart. Because this is, what, this is what God says about our heart in Jeremiah 17. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his beliefs. No, that's not what it says. It says, according, I will give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his beliefs doings how you're walking it out how i am walking it out saying it doesn't make it so 
As a matter of fact, Jesus addressed that. He said, you know, he said, not everybody that says Lord, Lord is going to enter into the, to the kingdom of heaven. Only those who what? Do the will of my father. Yeah, but I, that's all works righteousness. It may be works righteousness. It may be, but I'm telling you straight up, I've tried to argue around this and you can't. Yes, we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, we are made the righteous of God in, through Christ Jesus. We are, that is an absolute biblical reality. But the truth of the matter is, what happens after that moment? We're made righteous, but are we growing in righteousness? Are we moving further in this? Or are we living duplicity? As a living example of duplicity. Many people claim to follow Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But yet our lives prove otherwise. There are a lot of people that sit in churches. Maybe even this one. Those of you who are watching today. Those of you who are watching this later on in the week. Maybe. Maybe instead of a follower of Jesus Christ. You're actually an atheist. Well, an atheist doesn't believe in God. True. But what's worse? Someone that doesn't believe in God, that he exists at all, or someone that claims to know him but doesn't live after him. That's why we take the offering up first before you get... <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Oh, but I don't, I don't, I don't have any of these sins in my life. I don't, I don't, I don't... Listen, it's not about that, okay? It's not always just about the sin. Character and integrity, moral uprightness, moral law, divine law, following Jesus Christ is not just about what we say we believe, but it's how we act as believers. Notice this. Does this describe you? I'm going to read something to you. Does this describe you as a Christ follower? Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Find great delight in his commands. Woo, yes, the Bible. Their children will be mighty in the land. We want that. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. We can shout right there. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice. And we're all going, hallelujah. But I want to ask you some questions. Notice this. This, this is a psalm about the righteous man. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. You ever been shaken? You ever had something that came out of nowhere that shook you to your toes? The foundations of everything you are and what you believe? They will have no fear of bad news. Now, I could probably just give an altar call right now and we'd all have to go to the altar because we live in this constant fear. We just came through an election where depending on what side you were on, you just got bad news and it was fear. With all this leak with the Supreme Court right now, people are going, oh, bad news, bad news. But see, a Christ follower, a righteous person, a person of character and integrity in God, they don't have a fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have just a little bit of fear. No, it says they will have no fear. 
Listen to me this morning. Sometimes the duplicity shows not because we're in gross sin, but because we, we, we say we trust in God and we trust in Jesus, but we live scared of our shadow every moment of every day. But here the righteous man, the Bible describes a righteous person as one who has no fear. I don't have no fear. They're secure. My heart is secure. The bad news may come, but I already know that it's coming because Jesus already told me that. So I, I just embrace God's truth. And that is, hey, bad things are going to happen to good people. But I don't have to live in fear. I can't live in fear. If I live in fear, then there's duplicity and the integrity is shaken. I believe that the American church and maybe the worldwide church, but I know for sure the American church, we lost the, we missed the greatest opportunity to bring people to Jesus Christ since 9-11 through the COVID crisis. We missed it. Not just us, but everybody around the world, everybody that claims to know Jesus Christ. The answer, I know that God can heal. It's not about that. It's not about that. And it's not about going into lockdown. It's not about that. I'm saying most of us lived at some, in some level of fear to a pandemic when we've been told multiple times in scripture that a righteous person is secure. We have no fear. We don't live in fear. We do the things that are necessary to protect ourselves. But at the end of the day, we know we're going to be okay because Jesus is the one who reigns supreme over heaven and earth. But yet we don't live that way. We hide. The breastplate is not something that hides us. It's something that we put on in place and we walk. Do you know the only place on a person's armor that is not covered is their back? Do you know why? Because we stand firm in the face of adversity as children of God. We face it. The only time we've ever been instructed scripturally to run from anything is sexual immorality. And there he says, run! Don't try to reason through it. Things are getting a little too heated at the lake. Get out. Run. Run. Something comes on television, you know that you run. Get up. Go jog. Do something. Take a cold shower. But every other battle that we face, Scripture tells us, God's told us very clearly, you face it. Stand firm. That's why the armor's on the front of us. Because he does not expect his warriors to run from the forces of darkness. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in the honor. The wicked will see and be vexed and they will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longing of the wicked will come to nothing. But yet the righteous will never be shaken. I wonder if the reason that we don't see the success in our spiritual warfare is because even though we go to church and say Jesus is Lord, we don't necessarily live that way in everyday life. That duplicity is the thing that we're most, would be the better descriptive word for us. 
We ask God for help and we wonder even, or even get mad when he seems to do nothing or he doesn't answer the way we wanted him to, or he actually says no to us. You see, God's willingness to help must be met with our willingness to be helped. Because he said, put on. This is pretty. Doesn't do anybody any good right here. At some point, you have to put on your armor. At some point, you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. At some point, you've got to do it. The breastplate, you've got to put it on. Years ago, I had a young man. He came to work for us, and his heart's desire was to one day, one day be a worship pastor. He wanted to be a worship pastor. He's gifted. He probably would have, could have gotten there. I didn't have a position for that, so I hired him as a custodian. He needed a job. I went to work. After about six months, it was... We were constantly having to go, hey, dragging in late, leaving early, extra long lunch hour, all this kind of, extra long two hours, whatever. And you sit down and you have these conversations. And finally, one day, he and I were at lunch. I took him to lunch. I said, we're going to have a conversation. And I said, here's the deal. I said, what is it? And he said, I just hate my job. I said, okay. Then he said something very important. He said, when I become a worship pastor, I'll give 100% because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I went, no, you won't. Because it's a character issue. It's a character issue. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Even if you're digging ditches, even if you're cleaning toilets, even if you're cleaning up puke at the daycare. Actually, I'm better with puke than I am with the other stuff. We had our children, it was bad. Anybody says that newborn babies doesn't stink? They don't know, they never had one. But my problem is dirty, poopy diapers. I gag. I can, I can be this deep in the insides of an animal, deer or hog or something like that, doesn't bother me at all. Little tiny green looking <laughs> Gag reflex. Sorry, maybe, it's, maybe I'm being way too transparent this morning. I don't know, but I'm just telling you. What I'm saying to you is this. How you do your job, regardless of how menial you think it is, determines your next level of promotion. And if you go, when I do what I want to do, when I, do when, I'm, when I fulfill the thing that I'm gifted to fulfill, I will give it all I've got. If you're not giving it all you've got as the low end of the, of the, of the food chain, you'll never give it when you're at the top end of it. And furthermore, you'll never get to the top of it. Because that's always going to be a lid because it is a character issue. It's, a du- it's about duplicity. It's about double-mindedness. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral ten- uh, principles, moral uprightness, the state of being whole and undivided. Integrity is the state of being whole and undivided. Duplicity, double talk. It's divided. It's double talk. It's double-mindedness. When your character and your integrity flows the way it's supposed to flow as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, then your heart is clear, your heart is covered, and your character and integrity shows that. You're not double-minded, you're not unstable, you're walking and facing into the things because you know that you are a person of God and God has called you to high character and moral integrity. He's called us to this. He's called us to this in Scripture. Character comes from the Latin root that means engraved. 
Character is the composite of virtue and values that is etched on a person's life. Who are we to have engraved on our heart and on our life? We're to have the image of Jesus Christ. We're created in the image of God, but we're to live the image of Jesus. But yet, sometimes we have this selective integrity, which means, depending on my situation, I'll have integrity. Some areas we have integrity, some areas we don't. When it affects my pocketbook, maybe not so much. We select where we want integrity to be in our life. That's not integrity. That's still duplicity. But what about judgmental integrity? We see a lot of this in the media. We see a lot of this in the media. They hammer stuff. Hammer, 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 hammer stuff. But yet, when the shoe's on the other foot, oh, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Very quick to judge. We see this in Christendom. A lot of Christians will hammer people in the LGBTQ movement that are, that are in those lifestyles. We will hammer them and think nothing about tearing someone to shreds at lunch table after church. Duplicity. It's a problem. Your breastplate is not in place. Your armor is not in place. And we wonder why having these judgmental attitudes about people outside of Christianity, we wonder why God doesn't help us in our spiritual warfare. It's because we're not living Christian lives. We're living as atheists. We're living duplicity. We're living a life that, that we're saying one thing and we're doing something else. My dad used to say this. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then there's consensual integrity. Consensual integrity is kind of birthed in self-preservation. In other words, it's kind of like, hmm, if I call this, then I might lose my job. If I lose my job, I can't take care of my family. So I'll just let it slide. Knowing full well, it's not there. We see examples of all this in Christianity all the time. The most vivid example of the judgmental integrity was years ago during the PTL scandal. Some of you are not even old enough to remember what PTL was. But those of us that are, you remember the Jim Baker, Richard Dortch scandal at PTL and all this kind of stuff. And, and you got Jimmy Swaggart and Jerry Falwell and all these guys. Ah! Jimmy's the loudest one. He's yelling and screaming, all this kind of stuff. And then within a month of the PTL thing hitting the papers, Jimmy's found in Baton Rouge with a prostitute. Judgmental integrity. But at its core, it's duplicity. It's broken character and a lack of true righteous integrity. Second Peter 1 tells us that we are to make every effort to respond to God's promises. We're to supplement our faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, which means virtue and integrity. God's word translation says this, because of this, make every effort to add integrity to your faith. We need integrity to be connected to our faith. Imagio Dei, which simply means the image of God, it's engraved. It's to be engraved on our life. Success in spiritual warfare depends on our character and our integrity. If we're not being molded into the image of Jesus, and that molding will show at the level of our integrity, then we cannot expect the Holy Spirit to guide us to victory over the forces of darkness in our life. Let's stand all over the room.
This is not one of those teachings that Carnegie would say how to win friends and influence people. But I'm going to tell you something today. One of the major problems with the American church, and I can't speak for anywhere else, but one of the major problems with the American church is instead of, instead of living righteousness and with, moral, and with integrity and character, we live lives of duplicity. Because what we say and what we do are two vastly different things. We've been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. But we're not embracing it and we're not living it. And we're certainly not speaking it. Many times it's selective. Many times it's judgmental. Many times it's consensual. But our integrity is tarnished. Our integrity is tarnished. Most of the time, we, don't, we, we rarely do we connect fear with character and integrity, but yet it's there. It's in Scripture. We can look at someone that lies and go, well, they have, they're, they, don't, they, they have a problem with honesty, so there's, a, there's an issue with their character and their integrity. But yet, on the flip side of it, if we're judgmental, then we're duplicit as well. All I'm saying is, there's a reason Jesus looked at the crowd that day in the marketplace when they brought the adulterous woman. And everybody was standing around with a rock. And they said, the law of Moses says she should be stoned. He said, okay, I acknowledge that. I agree with you. So here's what we're going to do. The one of you that's without sin, you throw first. You want to know why you're not victorious over the forces of darkness in your life and your family? Check the breastplate. Check it. Maybe instead of character and integrity, there's duplicity. And if there's duplicity, only you can deal with that. God will help you, but you got to move into it. And you've got to acknowledge it. Bow your heads with me all over the house today. I just want to ask this question this morning. Is there anybody in this house that would say, you know what, Phil? That's me. Raise your hand. Raise them. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us. Raise them. Put them back down. All right, now look at me again. I'm going to pray for you. And then Tommy's going to come and close us out. But only you, only you can do something about it. I just need God to take this anger away from me. No, you need to learn how to discipline yourself. I want to be a better worker. Then get up early enough to get there on time and stay till you close and work your butt into the ground. Okay? When you leave, you should be tired. You should be tired. Well, I don't want a job where I got to sweat. Move to Antarctica. <laughs> if you live here, you're going to sweat. Just do everything as unto the Lord. Do everything as unto the Lord. Put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Put it in place. Lace it up. Close it. Guard your heart. 
and let your yes be yes and your no be no. Heavenly Father, today as we leave this place, I pray, God, that in the, in the, not just in the next few moments, God, but throughout the remainder of this day, I pray for the remainder of this week, God, somehow by your Holy Spirit that you would just haunt us. Haunt us with the reality of the breastplate of righteousness. God, let that word duplicity, let it float around in our mind and may we take inventory over all of our lives. You saw the hands, God, but you knew who you knew who they were before they ever raised their hand. And you knew those that didn't raise their hand. God, we need you to be the Lord of our lives. And we need to be who you've called us to be in this world. Which means we've got to stand with character and integrity, moral uprightness. That's what righteousness is biblically. Do your work in our lives. And may we be an influence for you everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tommy, come on. God bless you, Jen. You.